Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. The Have the Conversation Podcast. Have the Conversation Podcast. Real people, real conversations. I am pumped to be part of Have the Conversation. We've all had that one boss or coach or leadership level person that ruined it for everyone in the office. We wanted to know what was up with that and how to deal with it. So we called Toby. Toby is definitely the woman for the job and she does it in bite size. So keeping with the theme of the guests, we're going to keep this intro short and to the point. Toby Goldstein is an employee engagement specialist and founder of GoBiteSize.com. She helps teams, organizations, and leaders reach success through soft skills and creative solutions, and we were fortunate that she came to hang out with us here at HTC. After the episode, head on over to her website, GoBiteSize.com, to learn more. And don't forget to check out our new website, too. You can find all the details from your favorite shows on the HTC network by visiting HTCPod.com. Go subscribe already! Well, let's just jump right into it. Why don't you tell our audience what it is that you do, Toby? Perfect. So I do workshops. We call them bite-sized because I like to keep things very short and simple and to the point. I do bite-sized workshops for companies based around the soft skills. Many people are like, what are soft skills? They're skills that you use every single day, interpersonal skills and people skills. We call them soft skills. I know people are like, Toby, just change the name. I hate the word soft. But that's what I do is I go down to companies and we focus heavily on soft skills. And interestingly, leadership is considered a soft skill. It is. So yeah, I would do leadership training as well. Like a lot of times a company will call me down and say, hey, how can you just help my employees manage time? I said, there's a couple components. Time management is a soft skill, but so is how you're going to help them manage their time, which is leadership is a soft skill as well. So it's pretty cool. What are some other examples of soft skills? You name it. You name it. Creativity (laughs) is considered a soft skill. Team building, team management, leadership, communication is like a real biggie that a lot of people, you know, really want to work on. That's considered a soft skill. Majority of the soft skills I work with would be leadership, time management, and communication. Those are the ones generally we consider safe soft skills. Safe. What is a dangerous soft skill? To work on. <laughs> okay, so a, an un, a less safe soft skill would be one that's like a lot tougher to, to work with? So some people are afraid of leadership, which is interesting. Team collaboration as well, very, very, very touchy. And there's like a whole baseline, you know, in regards to team collaboration. Employee engagement is also something that I deal with heavily. I love it. A lot of soft skills are involved with employee engagement, which is pretty cool because people are saying, you know, my employees are not fully engaged. It's going back to the soft skills of why aren't they engaged? What's going on? How did you get interested in this? I actually fell into it. Most people are expecting to hear my corporate sob story. I don't have one. I was <laughs> not in refreshing. corporate before. <laughs> yeah, that is refreshing. I was not in corporate before, but it was my awareness of soft skills that A, led me, I moved when I was younger. That was in eighth grade. So it led me to acclimate to the culture and surroundings and actually make friends and not be that like weirdo new kid you know, that like nerd that you always have in every class, unfortunately. So it could have been me, but it was my soft skills that said like, hey, Toby, no, 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 no. we don't want it to be you. <laughs> like my acclimation to moving, 
And then it was actually that got me the job. I love surprising my executive director when she found out how old I was. She flipped and she like kept on repeating it. You're not 19. You are not 19. I'm like, so who cares if I'm 19? She's like, you're right. Who cares if you're 19? You're doing a good job. I was like overseeing at that point a $4 million budget. I was their liaison for a lot of government contracts and programs that they were running. And they were really surprised. But I built such a strong relationship based on my soft skills. So that initially got me the job as I aced the interview. I didn't realize that in the beginning. I was like, oh yeah, I deserve the job, right? Like anybody. So of course I aced the interview, but afterwards it was how I built the relationship with the interviewee that I realized that, you know, this is actually that led me to have the job. And then throughout my career, it was always focusing, for me, it was a lot of focusing on relationships. And then it led me to giving workshops to a group of teachers and employees. Part of my job is I was placing juniors and seniors and college freshmen and internship sites. It's very, very cool. I love this. But what fascinated me was it wasn't the students that we expected to get that job or to get that bonus or to get that promotion that actually got that bonus, actually got the promotion, actually got that free college scholarship. It was students who had those soft skills. So it was very interesting. You would expect that, you know, this young charismatic guy to come in and he may have done well initially at the interview, but afterwards they're like, oh, he's all talk or he's all fluff. Of course, we're not going to be offering him a full-time job, but those that actually had those soft skills, they managed their time well, they learned how to accept feedback, work with the team, they learned how to communicate really well, all different methods of communication, they actually got jobs offered. Like I had students that had four-year college scholarships paid because of those internships. And it was going back to understanding that it was their soft skills that had helped them. But no, that wasn't either that like enough to push me over the edge to give those workshops. But really was that something that just really made me lose my, like the cat got the tongue that really made me lose my, I, I was shocked. I was like, okay, I have nothing to say. I was giving a work, I know you're like, oh my gosh, Shobi, I cannot believe that you have nothing to say. <laughs> <laughs> really, there's something. quiet for once. <laughs> That's how you know you're processing, right? (laughs) I was so thrown for the loop that I I was like, okay, help me figure this out. And everybody's like just waiting because they loved it that I seriously got, I was at a loss. I was totally at a loss for words. What happened was I was giving a workshop to school teachers. That's early childhood. I was giving it to teachers, um, to some administrative staff, to assistants as well, helping them give the students the skills that they need to succeed. From my research and study, I noticed that the we form the basis, the foundation for students to succeed in early childhood schools is if you give them the tools to do well, in other words, you give them the soft skills, which means to interact well with their friends, to learn how to share, all these are soft skills. And you know what, at work, that learning how to share or those friendship skills that you learned at a younger age is gonna translate differently, but it's the same skill. Interestingly, when people are looking to switch careers, and even though they might be taking upon a complete different hard skill, for example, they were a journalist and they were out there writing and so on and so forth, and now they wanna become a teacher, you take a look, a lot of you know career counselors would take a look at the soft skills that you used in this part of career, and they say, hey, you could do great in this job, because you have those soft skills. So we do take a look heavily on those soft skills and it translates, you know, when somebody goes out to work. 
and this actually translated to the teacher that really made me lose my tongue, was I was giving them the workshop, helping them give the students the skills. Now, if I'm giving it to the teachers to help their students, I would be expecting the teachers have those skills, correct? Right, you would think, right. yeah. I would think. <laughs> I was so wrong with that because throughout the workshop, there was one teacher, she kept on interrupting and was just getting frustrated with the teaching and she just burst down the middle. We were talking a little bit about emotional regulation, also a soft skill. You see EQ and soft skills a lot of times tied together. We're talking a little bit about emotional regulation, how to teach children you know, some emotional regulation when they get upset, when they get frustrated, when things don't go their way. And all of a sudden this teacher was like, I don't get it. When I get angry, everybody knows, walk around eggshells around Miss so-and-so. The worst. And that's when I lost it. I was like, you do what? And it was interesting because that's when everything really fell into place. Like why parents had asked the students not be placed in her classroom, why she always needed a different assistant every single year. Her arts and crafts, her classroom design was impeccable, but her classroom management and her soft skills were way off. Mm -hmm. And that's like what made her, you know, initially as a parent walks into the classroom, they feel so good. The classroom looks meticulous and organized. But once she was actually teaching the students, you had a kid coming home. Oh, everybody be quiet. I'm really upset right now. You know, yeah. instead of her learning how to deal with that. It, it threw me for the loop. I was like, oh, my gosh. So you're giving students the skills, skills that you don't have. Right. Yeah. So how do you have that? How do you have that conversation? Um, so to so speak it was with very interesting. You know, depending on the personality, I first understand the person's personality, and that's how I know how to communicate to them. Many different personality tasks, but just easily what I help from what helps me divide it, you know, when I get to meet someone and just have that conversation, you'll have the entertainer. You have to hear this story. I have such a good story, right? The entertainer who does not stop with stories. You have the director <laughs> who wants to just go straight down to the point. Okay, so tell me what needs to be done. Let's go ahead. Yeah, yeah, that's you, Cal. <laughs> <laughs> then you got the analyst. Let's decide if this is a good idea. One minute. Let's break it down and really understand, you know, what makes sense. And then mm -hmm. you got the caretaker. I don't know. I don't feel so good about it. Or, you know, they, they're bringing their emotion a lot to the pictures. Like, so how do you feel today? You don't know what happened to me yesterday. I feel so good. <laughs> right? So you got those different personalities in the mix. Now, each of them you're going to respond to differently. Like the entertainer's you know, depending on a person's personality, sometimes it's the easiest or the hardest. I'm going to come in and say a story. I'm going to get their attention just like this. Mm -hmm. And they're going to hear me and I'm going to get the point across in a story. You know, depending, the director straightforward. There could be clash, like director to director could be clashes because usually they're, you know, the alpha personality that you would like yeah. to lead. So that also is something that you have to take into consideration. So it's generally how you're going to communicate it. So th with this particular teacher, she was actually a caretaker. She really, really cared, took things very much to heart. So what I did was, as I took that step back and we brought in a scenario that actually involved her emotions and made her understand what she looks like to others, mm. right? And how does that make them feel? When she realized that the kids don't feel good when they have to walk around eggshells, I can't believe it. You're right. Mm -hmm. That was the right? first time she'd realized that. She had not realized that before then. So what was very interesting is she noticed that people were leaving and she noticed that she got upset, but she thought that her other skills 
compensated for that, right? Like her creativity is like, great, so I'm so creative. So they love to work in my classroom because they learn so much, not realizing that those anger management issues put that wall over mm -hmm. there, right? The people couldn't come over and come across and enjoy her creativity because they were afraid. Mm -hmm. A fear is gonna block anyone from anything. Absolutely. So if they're afraid that all of a sudden she's going to erupt, it was mm -hmm. difficult. Then again, depending on the other people's personalities. So her director actually had been speaking to her a little bit about it, but the wrong way. Because at that point, she went on to say, no, I know exactly what I'm doing, or you're wrong, it's not true. Because her director was coming in, making her defend her emotions, mm -hmm. right? When somebody is coming in to tell a caretaker, you're wrong for feeling like that, they shut down. Mm -hmm. Instead of saying, how do you feel about that? Like, let's talk about it. So it 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 takes some skill, but you get used to it after a while. Once you understand just how you're going to go ahead to communicate that, so that was that was like a real eye opener. Is hey, hold it, we don't even get these skills in school. So now I understand why the teacher didn't have those skills. What's going on? Yeah. Like, why is that? That's crazy. That's crazy. We spend so much time in school, so many hours studying mm -hmm. math, studying history. Come on, calculus. Right? What's more <laughs> important? <laughs> I couldn't even make it to calculus. Algebra was enough for me. <laughs> oh, I, I enjoy it. I don't know. I was like, okay, but why don't we teach them the skills that they need for life? Yeah. And interestingly, yeah. like universities are getting that trickle slowly, still happening like too slowly because you see those. What is interesting is that somebody who has a great resume may get that interview, may snag that job but does not necessarily succeed in that job or get those promotions. Those mm -hmm. with the soft skills, you know, depending, the resume unfortunately does make a difference, but it depends, you know, how they sit in for that interview is like, at least they got the interview, then you got the buy-in over there. Then they have that chance for success. So telling me that, you know, school doesn't make a difference. I would say school makes a difference to a certain extent. Do I agree that every single person should go to college? Absolutely not. But let the person weigh the pros and cons of, mm -hmm. if I go to college, you know, what are you mm -hmm. looking at over there? Is you see so many people that didn't go to college succeeding and vice versa. You see those that did not succeeding and you see, so that doesn't really make a difference. It's those initial skills that are gonna help them really do well. Mm -hmm. And even though college is, you said just now it's trickling into college. I mean, that even seems a little late I, I guess it's never too late to learn, but wouldn't it be better if we're learning? Oh, yeah, like old or... dog new tricks type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Do you yeah. come up with people who are who are super resistant when you're holding one of your workshops? Or are the people that typically come to your workshops there because they know that they need to do something different? So it's a very good question. It, it actually depends. It's, number one is I wouldn't take on a client who is not self-aware. For me, the number one is self-aware. Don't go tell me my employees are all bad because you know what happens is you're the one who hired them. So what does that say about you? <laughs> yeah, it's hot or kettle, yeah. <laughs> so it's like, okay, listen, I know that I'm struggling with my employees. My employees may not be all great. What can I do about it? Now, what skills can you give my employees? No, 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 no. It starts with you. Mm -hmm. Yes, I am going to work with your employees, but you have to understand that it's going to start with you. It's A, you hire them, 
see is you're managing them. If you manage somebody for over two years, you should see a difference. And if you're not seeing a difference, then it's your leadership skills mm -hmm. right down over there. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. Even if you didn't hire such a strong employee, it's going to tell a lot of your leadership skills and your management skills, you know, and your employee engagement skills and so on and so forth. So number one is that you do have to be willing. I always say you need some time invested and really willing to go up the sleeves, accept some Willing to accept the blame, which interestingly is a soft skill as well. Like people are like, yeah. oh, he, well, he, my this, my this, you know, my dog ate my homework. It's like, no, 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 these things don't fly. Mm -hmm. It's like, mm -hmm. yes, you made a mistake. And you know what? That's perfectly okay. But I want you to acknowledge that that was a mistake. Yeah, I feel like that's my parenting style. <laughs> yeah, yeah I've heard you say, I think that exact sentence. <laughs> so funny. when you first get a client, is your job at first to figure out if they are a director or a caretaker or one of those labels to figure out how you would best communicate with them to get through to the issue? Yeah, so usually at first, like interestingly, I talk a lot, but usually I actually record my conversations, you know, if they're okay with it, and I listen to the conversations. 70% of the time they should be talking, I should be talking just 15% of the time. Mm right just just the 25 so j just to really know a little bit of what am i hearing from them and then it's going down is everybody's coming in with different difficulties with different issues so what would be the best way for us to go ahead and to work on those particular skills so number one is i first have to hear a little bit what it is sometimes i can't take them on as a client or sometimes it's not something that i'm willing to do so number one is just to really figure out the basics is how we can help them. Sometimes it could just be as simple, they need a project management tool. Like things are all over the places. You know, start with a project management tool and then we could take things a little bit from there. And then it's building from there. So I, I would be doing pretty much a wide variety of different types of things, but they all narrow down to those soft skills. Like let's say for example now, I'm working with a company, their hiring procedures are a complete, complete mess. You know, really just working out what are the onboarding? Let, let's just start in the basics. What are those questions that you're asking that you interview? What do those ads look like when you're looking for employees? Do your current employees know that you're looking for employees? Because word of mouth, I always say, is the best resource. If they're happy where they're working, they're gonna refer good people, mm, yeah. right? So it's taking that step back and then bringing it forward. It's, you know, what does your interviewing questions look like? What does it onboarding look like? You have to ask yourself is when an employee is starting at a new job is what is their day before the job look like? Don't just say, oh, they're starting on Monday. Great. But maybe you should be sending them just a little bit of a heads up, just a small note. You know, we're excited. We're looking forward for tomorrow. How prepared are you to greet them when they come in? Do they have a desk set up? Like real basics, but it all just boils down to those soft skills is how prepared, how welcoming are you? What is that relationship? which is a soft skill look like? How do you build relationships right? right? How often do you have feedback, sit down, have those conversations? What does the accountability factor look like? How well do you know them? Now, interestingly, people mix up like having a relationship with an employee as being your best friend. That's completely not the case. It's you're having a relationship. And that's why sometimes you hear it as a business relationship or a professional relationship. Now, professional relationships, this was my mistake that I had actually started when I was overseeing a group of employees. It was quite a number of employees and I was very young and none of the employees were my age. They were like way older than me. So 
I initially started my relationship as very cold. You know, people sometimes refer to it as business-like, but the real business-like relationship should not look like what a business relationship looks like. It was very cold, did not bring up anything personal, very matter of the fact, very straight. They knew me as like that little box. Mm -hmm. And here and there, like I veered out, like I flew in a question about my daughter or was something else that was going on and they were like, they wanted to hear more. Like, oh, actually, yeah. Toby, you are human. <laughs> like, yeah, you're I wanted to see this human aspect coming out. And like, I just like quickly shut it up until I realized that, hey, this is what they need. In order for them to relate to me as a person rather than like this computer issuing, you know, orders and just talking to them very computer-like is we have to build a relationship. No, I don't need to know the nitty gritty. But yes, I should know that employee is coming late because she's struggling at home. Mm -hmm. so she may not want to tell that to me, but when I approached her and I said, listen, I noticed that you're coming late every single day. Is everything okay? And she turned to me, she said, no. Mm -hmm. But that couldn't have come about had she been afraid that I would say, hey, you're coming late every single day, dock from your paycheck, or, you know, let's talk about this. Every time you come down, I write it down. I want to see a difference. It's like, woman, what is going on? Yeah. And you know what? It could be that she's struggling time management. And no, she can't get out. It doesn't mean that something has to be going on at home. It could be she just can't get out. But it's getting down to the root of things and then building from there. So all this would be around this hostel. So for a company, I would be helping them with the hiring. But for another company is really finding out how each employee can be the most productive, which is an important component is, you know, getting to know the employees. Or interestingly, one company, they knew their values, but they did not know their values. So they hired wrong which means for one, yeah. one employer, he was so into organization that when things were not organized, he lost his cool. Mm -hmm. Now, yes, we have to talk about that, but he also has to understand that because organization is so deep and dear to him, he has to understand that if he hires somebody that's scatterbrained, who might be such a great hire, he's going to lose himself when he walks into that person's office. Is it worth it? Mm -hmm. No, <laughs> and it right, and it has to be that educated decision. Is like, yes, I can't handle it. No, I can't because this is a company value. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So is it possible for employees who work under toxic leadership to still find success within that company? How do you help those people? So that's a very good question, and it really it depends. What does toxic mean? Direct supervisor or overall? Also, mm. a person has to know themselves, which also makes a very big difference. If they have a great team, but the supervisor is toxic, but sometimes they could circumvent the supervisor, go to the supervisor's boss, or within the team he feels good, then that's something that, you know, he can think about. But if somebody is coming home day in, day out, completely shocked, it's like, is this worth it for you? And mm. some people could say, you know what, it doesn't bother me because I love A, B, C, and D. Mm -hmm. It's really who are you as a person? There's no rights, no wrongs. And that's what everybody has to understand. What may work for one person may not work for another. And that's perfectly okay. And this is across all boards. You know, people would ask me, okay, Toby, give me your best tips for time management. There are no best tips for time management. Time management works what works for you, mm -hmm. right? Some people right. love the structure of time blocking. Some cannot handle it. Some can delegate well. We're going to build upon that. Some cannot delegate. So yes, you're going to have to incorporate different 
tips and techniques in order for you to manage your time well, but understand really what works well for you. A person can manage their time exceedingly well without time blocking. Mm -hmm. Some people cannot manage their time without the time blocking. So it's <laughs> really what works for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What works for you? <laughs> I love time blocking. I also interestingly use my strongest hours of the days for work. It's like there's absolutely you cannot call me unless it's an emergency. You'll hear me pick up the phone. Is this an emergency? Like my kids mimic me already. Like they'll come to pick up the phone. I'm like, hello, this is the home number. Please don't hear people like that. <laughs> is this an emergency? And the guy's like, um, yeah. 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 Define emergency. <laughs> <laughs> so for me, I, I block that secret hour of the day for me is like, do not disturb me. I don't take any calls. Do not touch my emails until mm -hmm. a certain time because for me, email would be a time waster. No, I don't respond to emails usually that second unless I'm waiting for something or I see something urgent. And sometimes I don't even see it because I did not get to it. I usually tell people the best way to reach me is WhatsApp, but I only look at it if it's an emergency or if I know to look out for it. So it's, you know, that fine juggle for me is, and interestingly, I don't become a slave to certain things is my phone could ring and I would not necessarily answer it unless it's like my yeah. emergency open hours. Like, you know, I, I would not be running to it. Um, and, and this is what works. I can't, you know, enslave myself to certain things because this is ha what helps me. But for me, doing the toughest thing in the morning, my morning hours are my best hours. Find the best hours that work for you. It could be morning. It could be night. A lot of times, you know, morning person, night person. Um, plays a role over there. I do my toughest thing first. So I'm ready. I feel accomplished, which is going to lead me to do my, you know, the easier things throughout the day. So I get those tasks done. I do have a very clear, I have a very clear schedule and calendar set up. So I know exactly what to expect. I review my calendar weekly. Mm -hmm. So I know what my week really looks like. I also, you know, time management is sometimes with put two things at once. For example, I do drive a lot for work. But at that point, I can either make those calls that need to be made. I would not just be making calls, just sitting and just making calls. I need mm -hmm. my concentration. I could drive. I can't type or, you know, read something while I have those calls. So I could give that person that attention and I could be driving. So I usually try to stagger things. Um, and that's that's interestingly that works for me. Delegating is important, but no, I, I'm not the best at delegating. So I don't delegate everything. I know that that's a struggle for me. So the things that I am okay delegating is, you know, I delegate the things that I know that I will micromanage. I would think twice before delegating. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. What if you micromanage everything? <laughs> well, that's time management. That goes back, you know, a lot with that time management piece is like, if I really want to micromanage something like that, then I might as well do it myself. And I know, I know I could do it faster and I could do it better for half the amount of money. We say that all the time, right? <laughs> But I always understand. Am I looking in a mirror, Toby? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> but you know what I do at that point is like, okay, so I just delegated this. I'm going to make sure to do a task at that time that this gets done that is so way worth it that, you know, uh, this I really got to do. So be mm -hmm. able, A, I don't have the time to micromanage that task that I gave. Right. And B is I really make sure to do the task that really I need to do. You know, sometimes when I do a task, it's like, do I really need to do this? Is this really me that has to do it? And the answer is no, is like, delegate it. Yeah. I think that's what's so important about hiring the right people. You know, you, you have to know people's skills. And like you said, they have to interview well, or you have to have that rapport with them where they can say, 
this is working for me or this isn't. And I think it's so important. And I think that's what we've really built here at HTC with like our team is that we know what everyone brings to the table, but we're willing if they want to try something new to support that in the best way that we can. And I think it's just really, really special um, that. that we've been able to do that. Yeah. A lot I found also is actually knowing my employees' professional goals and personal goals. Now, people ask me, why do you mesh the two? The two should never mesh. They mesh regardless. I was going to say, can you avoid it? (laughs) You can't avoid it, but I can help them, right? If an employee Mm -hmm. is looking to lose weight, I can help them. What are you doing about looking to lose? You know what? Go out on your walk and your lunch break. You know what? Let's have this meeting, but let's take a walk as we're meeting. Yeah. Right? I don't have to take notes. We could take notes, you know, on, on the phone or so on and so forth. Let's walk. The voice like, great. What could be better than having somebody that understands you and gets you and builds those, you know, goals together? Do I get deep down personal? Absolutely not. That's for personal. That's for friends. That's for yeah. relationships. I am friendly, but not necessarily friends. You know, I, I, I do. I sometimes would be chatting after work, but, it, but for me, what's very important is to maintain that distinct difference is after work, I can be friends. At work, I am friendly mm-hmm. because we're looking to work. I, I'm right now, also that I find is a lot of people get, they lose focus and there's distraction. And that could mm-hmm. be from a conversation, right? So it's, what does your internal communication look like during work hours? Very important to revisit is I do want staff sometimes, you know, to chat. I don't want them to take 45 minutes to talk about something that they're extremely passionate about when there is work that is waiting to be done and has to be done immediately. Should mm-hmm. there not be work that needs to be done? Great. Right. But it, it's that fine juggle of always asking yourself, am I doing what I should be doing right now? Yeah. Can I ask a question, which is kind of silly, but I'm just thinking about this because early on in my career, I was a horrible employee, (laughs) horrible. And and I know that now because I've managed people and I've grown in my career, but early on, I thought I could take on everything. I was overly ambitious, which that hasn't changed, but my age and my experience didn't match what I was trying to, to get, you know, and only going through that and embarrassing yourself several times will will teach you that lesson. So I can speak to that. But one of the big things was, is I was very shy, but ambitious early on. And a lot of the, the companies that I worked for really wanted to do the, they really wanted to combine outside of like personal life with work and do a lot of things together and the happy hours and all that stuff. I hated it, but I felt like there was an expectation to go. Can you kind of talk to me a little bit about how that should have been handled or how, how people can find that balance? Because I didn't yeah, know it. Yeah, so what, what's important is I am not for it. Is yes, there definitely must be time for that happy hour, but you have to understand for many people, it's not happy. It's the worst. <laughs> the, worst <laughs> the worst hour. The worst hour. Right, like not people, not everybody likes to socialize. Knowing that, someone like you know what, I could have spent this home with like my husband, my kids, my boyfriend. Like, what am I doing here? Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> or like, I could have just chilled. I'm not interested in talking to these people. I talk to them every single day. Right? Like, <laughs> what am I doing here? So it's figuring out that fine line. 
you do want to build a relationship. The reason why a lot of companies go for that is because you could build that relationship, right? At work, we're working. We can't build the relationship. But I say you're wrong. You could build that relationship, but the relationship should be friendly. Now, should you want to do something is you have to ask yourself, is this mandatory? Is this expected? Like I always go back to my story about Sushi Tuesday. And it's just so funny and so sad all at once. It's I had this guy called me up, the CEO from a company, and he's like, Toby, I don't really need your services. We have a great culture, and he's going on and on. I was like, yeah, so tell me more. He's like, well, every single Tuesday, I order sushi for lunch. My employees love it. It's gone at the end of the day, and he's going on and on, like really nice. He's like, how about you come down and you speak to my employees? Like, sure, no problem. I come down, I speak to the employees. And so I asked him, I said, so tell me about Sushi Tuesday. And they look at me, Sushi Tuesday? I don't eat rice. <laughs> I don't eat fish. The office and I was like, but He told me so much about it. Let me hear more. He's like, he doesn't stop coming into the office because he wants more and more sushi. <laughs> <laughs> He's the one who finishes it all. I'm like, oh, my oh. God. <laughs> so I came back to him and I was like, so tell me a little bit more about your employees. Do they like sushi? He's like, they must because they, you know, are finishing it. I was like, can you find out? <laughs> And it was interesting. It led to this crazy conversation. He's all upset at me because now he has to order sushi and he's ordering pizza and he's ordering some gluten-free food. I was like, look, if you're doing something for your employees, you're taking them all into consideration. You're taking something what they want, right? So that happy hour is happy just for the boss. Mm-hmm. It's not happy for the employees. It's find something that is going to satisfy your employees. Could you satisfy everyone? Absolutely not. But you could find a baseline that could be satisfactory for them. For example, it's not mandatory or it's not expected for you to come, which I mean is the next day, should somebody not come, you could say, we missed you. But don't go further. It's like, oh, next time are you coming or will you be mm-hmm. there next time? Or I'm reminding you, don't forget. They don't want to come. They don't need to come. It's open for everybody. It's yeah. finding that fine line. And it's interesting because it is a fine line. But you really have to find out is what do the employees want? Now, interestingly, like, which, Kala, I would love to hear from you is you started off shy but ambitious. Did your supervisors know that? And how did they bring that out? Um, so it was two different companies that I was kind of referring to, kind of a crossover both know <laughs> it was it was it was almost like an expectation of this is what we do here it was never this is a mandatory thing we will miss you if you're not there it was an expected thing but i was also in a culture of it was very misogynistic so we were clearly supposed to be there as arm candy not as and i didn't realize this until i stepped out of it do you know what i mean so looking oh, yeah. back i see it totally different But when I was in it, it was this expectation. And I knew that I was going just to be there, to be seen, not that it was going to help my career in any ways. Not a happy hour. Not a happy hour. It was a miserable hour. And it never lasted an hour. It was always, you know, progressively worse. And, and, you know, and I think it, it muddied the water for a lot of people because they would go out and then it would almost become like the little boys club or People would get these different opinions of people because there'd be too much drinking or, you know, all the X, Y, Z, like recipe for disaster, but it would trickle over into the workplace and it would facilitate drama within that. So I worked in very, very toxic environments, which is why I wanted to step out on my own (laughs) to create something different. And what made you aware of a toxic environment? Um, 
I mean, a lot of it, just knowing that I wasn't going to get any further because it was made clear that if you were a woman and you were young, you were there for a certain reason. I mean, and that, and that wasn't just my experience. Um, so that was really frustrating, but what made me aware, I'm, I'm a pretty aware, self-aware person. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm hypersensitive. You could like see it while it's happening. Yeah, I could see it. I tried to play the game a little bit. You know, I, I would be lying if I said I didn't because I thought it was going to move me around. But it was so, I was still killing myself putting in the work, but it wasn't paying off. So what, I mean, at some point you have to just kind of look at it and be like, is this really how I'm going to spend my time? Or am I going to bow out? Yeah, it's like, am I going to constantly be chasing that wheel? And it's unfortunate because people that are self-aware are lucky. It's a gift that most people have unless they are become aware or because where something actually happened that caused that awareness there. But it is, it's, it's a big gift, especially at such age oh. saying like, hey, hold it. This is not okay. Well, the second time, I mean, I was, I was fired from my job for not going to a happy hour, essentially. I didn't know that. <laughs> that was one of them. That was one of them. Um, because yeah, like we were getting ready to move to Dallas. My husband was taking this new job and they wanted us, I was in an industry, like I said, very male dominated and it was expected to go. And I'm like, I'm moving. Like, I want to go be with my husband who's heading out before us. I have two young babies at home. Like, this is not where I want to be. And because I didn't go, I mean, it was shortly thereafter. There was definite fallout from that. Definite fallout. And it's interesting because, you know, it works both ways. It said you were lucky that you were fired. No, it's never fun to be fired. I'm sure, you know, what led after that was nightmare upon nightmare. And, yeah. you know, pain, frustration, confusion, feel of rejection. But Still sometimes, there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But what's interesting is, is, you know, if you got that soft skill, it's like you pick up and rebuild. It's like, you know, rejection mm -hmm. is like, yeah, you know, going through those five stages of grief. And then after five, it's like, okay, you know, acceptance, it has happened now. Like, how am I going to move on? But what happens is sometimes that companies are trying to restructure themselves, employees leave because they say, hey, it's not for me. Mm -hmm. It's right. It's like, let's say this company that I was working with talking a little bit about organization, it's him having a very open conversation with his employees and say, listen, we are becoming much more self-aware and we're realizing that organization is an integral role. Can you handle it? Mm. Right. So should you decide to leave? It's an educated decision. Should you decide to stay? It's because you want to stay. You know the expectations. You are very clear what those expectations are and you're willing to give a work on it. Right. Mm -hmm. So automatically, this is like a, like a seed, like a filter for employees that should not be there. Now, always leave. Like I tell you know, I told the CEO, I said, you have to leave with a great relationship for your employees because your employees are not bad. They're just not fit for your culture, mm -hmm. right? You hire them for a reason. They just don't fit here. They may fit somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And interestingly, I had it a couple of times. Number one is I had a company that rehired an employee after they let an employee go. This was actually, you know, monetary. They couldn't pay the salary that this employee was actually worth. It was a beneficial, it was an agreement, a mutual agreement between both of them. And then when that company actually had grown, I, start, I started with them in startup phase. And then when they actually grew and had the money to pay for the salary, they reached out to this employee because they left on such great terms and things had changed. And I'm like, do you want to come back? And the employee's like, for you, for sure. 
Yeah. So that was, you know, something. And then I actually had one that a company had an employee, left employee go, they kept the relationship alive. And interestingly, they became business partners in a certain venture, which is wow. interesting. But this goes I met my mentor. To, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's, you know, just going back to your situation is like, that definitely is not fun. It's an awful, awful <laughs> feeling. And I'm sure, you know, so many times, like you just beat your head over it. Like I should have gone, I could have done things differently. Maybe I should have said something or so on and so forth. But it's, you know, taking that step back and saying, hey, there was a reason why it has happened. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Still not easy. It doesn't take away that feeling. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But it, it doesn't. does make you want to grow into something bigger and better and find them and find your people, you know, that you can do good work with for sure. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Toby, as someone who helps people with soft skills, how did you develop yours? I always learn whenever there is like something going on is I'm always open for learning. Interestingly, I just had a mentor group. I mentor for an organization and I said, give me feedback, good or bad. I want feedback, right? That's and scary. that's something that's important. <laughs> and he's like, are you sure? We were actually a group and he wants to make sure that everybody's ready and willing to get the feedback. I said, how can I become better if I don't get the feedback? It may hurt. But it's important for growth, right? As soon as there's that pain, you know that there is that growing stage over there. You can either just, you know, shrink or you can actually flourish. So the question is, is what are you going to do with that? So it's yes, I love getting feedback, um, constantly growing. I do enjoy reading. Do I have a lot of time? No, I don't. But I listen to podcasts. <laughs> I read books, which is also something is I put books on audio. So sometimes driving to a company i have clear headspace talk about time management i can make my calls coming home from a company i'm usually exhausted i you know gave them a lot of energy interestingly i'm like this ambivert i love talking to people but afterwards i get completely drained mm -hmm. so after dealing with them it's like i just need to ear out i just need my space at that point it's great for me to listen to podcasts or to audiobooks so that's generally how i juggle my time over there but it's always open for learning always being in touch with mentors. I have a mentor that I actually started with many years ago, still in touch with him. Um, and he did, he actually helped me grow. And there's something that I always say from him, um, this great thing that I would love to share with you is he said, when you move from great to excellent, that excellent eventually becomes great and you have to seek new excellence, right? Mm -hmm. It's like talking about that growth stage is you can never stay in one place. Great, so you're excellent now. Cause I, I remember I was fighting him tooth and nail over this. <laughs> I was overseeing a couple of projects and the projects were really doing well. And he came down because he was actually like the funding source from the government. Um, he came down to rate the projects that we were doing and they were rated as excellent. The next time he came, the project was doing just as well. And he gave me a very good or that great. And I'm like, that's not fair. We're doing so well. We're doing the same exact thing. He's like, listen to this. When that excellence stays excellent for too long, it becomes that very good. And you have to constantly improve and constantly change. It was a hit over the head, but you believe, better believe me, the next time he came down, I had stuff prepared for him because he was not <laughs> going to give me a very good after that. He was going to give me that excellence, but I had to become well prepared for that. So yeah, I, I still yell, yell at him. I'm like, you got to change that very good to excellent because it was excellent. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That's good. Evolve or repeat, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, how do you know when 
it's time to kind of ramp up the, the excellent is becoming very good and it's time to go that next step or is that just a daily thing that you're always trying to evolve well feedback is very important reflection celebration is like you know you constantly mm -hmm. gotta check in on yourself is and i tell companies every company has a great goal every company has a great mission how often do you check in that you're still aligned and that you're still focused Right. So some companies would be doing it every three months, some companies every six months, just to make sure that they're still constantly aligned. It's like, OK, so what are we doing now? How can we do this better? In other words, is what are the next steps that we could take to help us achieve our mission or to help us achieve our goal? Right. For example, I'm working with a company. This is a startup company that I'm working with and they have a goal. Let's just take. I'll, I'll take like an easy goal, but like, let's say they want to earn, we'll just cut down the amount, so it'll be easier, but let's say they want to earn that 50,000 a year, right? They want that to be the profit margin that they're looking at. Now, they're doing great, right? But now the next step is, and they're slowly meeting that goal, but at this point, it's time to move on. It's like, you got everything aligned, you got everything automated. Now what? You can't stay sitting and just saying, oh, great. Right, I could pull my and just take that yeah. step back. It's like, what are the next steps that you're going to take to actually get that goal to 55, or to get that goal, you know, even more to that 100,000 or whatever it is that you're looking at? Is what are you going to be doing? What needs to be ramped up? What needs to be changed? Every employee should be coming in at a certain level. Is how often do you assess and evaluate employees? No one, and this is something I mentioned to you earlier, is nobody should be the same they were two years ago. Right. If they were, it's like, what is going on with your leadership? Right. Is Absolutely. Every person has to change. And not even that is every person is should a person leave. I actually just see a WhatsApp because I'm using my phone. I see a WhatsApp from the employee that I had just a temporary. She just filled the position because I had somebody that was out of maternity leave. I still keep up with her. But uh, my goal was that when she leaves, she's a changed person. And my evidence that she's a changed person is, you see, she still keeps up with me. She still keeps in touch. She still lets me know what's going on. I know should I sometimes need an emergency backup, she would pick in for me, mm. right? And not only that, I gave her the skills and the tools. She's actually going for college. Yes, she needs a degree for what she wants to go for. She wants to go for a food and nutrition um, scientist. But, but I know the, the tools that I gave her, the recommendation letters that I wrote are real. They really are mm -hmm. real. They're not just fluff out there because she needed her communication skills, which is something that she's going to be using as a scientist. Think of the scientists who are lacking communication right. skills. There's a few. Yeah. Got a bunch oh. of software developers to introduce you to <laughs> with no so soft skills. Look at that, right? Only software, <laughs> which makes sense in a way because you know you got to play your personalities. But you know you always have that like one developer that you'd rather speak to because he's going to get it. Yeah. Right. Versus the others is like, okay, you just explain it to everybody, which is interesting. So it's the goal is, is should you be seeing the change? Should you have those expectations? You know, you're on the right track. Should this employee want to come back and work for me? I don't want this employee just to be changed and say, hey, she's a great employee or whatever it is. I want to know that anybody's going to want her as an employee. And that's why I hold on to my employees. They're so tight. I don't let anyone go, but they don't want to go. Yeah. Right? That's what that I'm trying to do. Is yeah. that this is what's great is that there's something there that's keeping it and it's not just money. Right? right? It's that culture that's there that an employee doesn't want to go. Should an employee get an offer from a headhunter? Oh, you better believe it. I know about it. And that doesn't mean that I know about it because like, they're coming in and saying, hey, Toby, I want to raise because they offered me so and so. It's like, mm -hmm. oh, Toby, you know who called me today? 
<laughs> Why people? What What is your draw to people? I love people. Um, fascinated of what makes them tick and how people can actually change, which is interesting. Um, going back to my experiences, I came in as a very headstrong preteen into school, and I'm like, oh, these kids in my class are just impossible. They're nerds. I'm going to have nothing to do with them. They don't know anything about life. Like, I'm not being friends with any of them. I know so much more, so much better. These, they never experienced life, and I was just on a roll. Yeah, it was impossible until I realized it's like, you know, you got to change, accept them for who they are. Doesn't mean you have to give up who you are or your friendships, you know, elsewhere, but just accepting people for who they are. And when I saw that, like, I lowered my guard and the best evidence for me was when we actually had a supplement classroom and the class throughout to the teacher was like, guess who's new in this class? Mm. and the sub was not able to guess like took 10 guesses and still was not able to guess and it was like I made it <laughs> but that was Hold just showing me that like people can actually people can change and it's in your hands most of the time especially as employers is people can change whether it's the employer or the employee it's you know what are you investing to get that change over there mm. um one thing you mentioned that you work on in your workshops is to help the prevention of burnout. I know that's like a huge thing for pretty much everyone we've talked to nowadays. Us um, included. <laughs> yeah, right, right. We talked about it this morning, actually. We did. Good um, meeting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what that's are a great some... great question. So yeah. first, like, number one is I always take that stuff back and say who the person is, what are the person's strengths, what are the person's talents. Now, a strength may be a burnout skill, which means they may be great at something but not enjoy it, or it may exhaust them. For example, I love giving workshops. I come out on a high, but you know what? Should I do a workshop every single day, I'm going to be done. For me, it's considered a burnout skill. I love it, but I know that I could, you know, tread slowly, and work like that because I can't, I have to be aware of that possibility of burnout. So number one is what are the person's strengths? What do they love doing? What do they do well, but don't, but get exhausted from it? Or what do, and what do they hate doing? So you're finding out a little bit about the person. Now you're taking a look at the job description. Now a person does not have to fit, their strengths do not have to fit 100% because you're not gonna find such a person. Such a person is not a person, right? <laughs> But you have to take a look and say, if generally, I think the scientific data, I'm not sure if like this was checked, but generally it's like about 60% that you're looking at has to be based on skills, has to be based on things that they enjoy doing, not doing burnout skills. So you take a look at the job description and a person's day-to-day. -day. Now a person is doing generally their day-to-day -day based on the strengths. They're pretty much almost set to go. As long as there's that work-life balance, definitely kicks in. And I tell companies this all the time. Some, it's like a pendulum, right? Sometimes work is going to take more time, sometimes less time, and home is going to take more time. It's constantly shifting. If you find that it's not constantly shifting, which means too much time is spent at work, no time at home or no personal time, there's going to be a burnout. As long as things are shifting, yes, yeah, sometimes they do remain you know, equal, 
most of the time they don't like it could be you know that slight give and take give and take give and take but if all of a sudden you're having it for an extended period of time there's that possibility of burnout you know it could be you're working on a big project but after the project things should go back and forth that you always are constantly checking in and asking yourself how are you doing if you're dreading going to work the next day or should it be the weekend and all of a sudden it comes monday and you're like oh my gosh the eye roll starts it's like mm -hmm. hey, what's going on i used to love coming into work right. what is happening that is causing that eye roll now sometimes it may not necessarily be burnout from the work that you're doing it may be from some of the people that you're interacting right like that may take energy burnout generally is you feel that horrible feeling and energy is not there to give what you need to give, right? So it could be a draining relationship at work. It could be at home. But generally, it's like when you're talking, you know, when you're talking about work, is there could be that, you know, as soon as you see that person coming across the hall, you all of a sudden like pick up the phone and you're pretending that you're on the phone so that you don't have to stop to talk. Now, if this is something that you're constantly doing, could lead to burnout, depending on how much time you're spending speaking to this person. And now the next step is like, okay, so what are you going to be doing about it? It could be a person could get burnout because they're dealing with a particular tough client, mm -hmm. right? So it could be the yeah. relationship or it could be the work. Check work, take a look at relationships throughout, and just always make sure that whole work life, it's a balance. It's going to be a juggle. That's life. Balls are going to fall, but that's okay. It's like, you know, you can have that love-hate relationship sometimes that you've got over there, but you got to know is like, it's that balance over there. Some days I'm going to have to give more hours, some days less. But it's always that constant check-in. It's like, take a step back. Let's take a look at that work that you're doing. And then sometimes burnout would appear out of nowhere. It's what happened. Yeah. In With a lot of people working from home now in this big transition, what are some of the things that you're noticing with work-life balance? It's interesting. It goes back to... I usually say is the companies that did very well before COVID culturally were able to handle that work-life balance a little mm -hmm. bit better. How flexible were you? How understanding? What does your relationship look like with your employees, right? Now, it's going to be that balance once again is if you could be flexible and let an employee work late hours and, you know, talk to clients during a set amounts of, you know, during a set time during the day so that they could afterwards be home for the kids who are learning remote or whatever is going on. That's great. If you cannot do that, if sitting down and ho having the open conversation, what can we do that works? Always constantly be in touch with them. Cut the Zoom meetings if you can. That is so important. Yes, Zoom fatigue is real. What are you going to do differently? If you are having a Zoom meeting, check in on the Zoom meeting. How long? Who's invited? Who's coming? It's, there's a lot. There's a whole bigger picture that you must take into consideration in order for you to say, I must have this meeting. Does everybody need to attend? Can I rather meet one-on-one -on -one with employees? And it's the constant check-in is why are you feeling burnt out? Because you're juggling home life and you're juggling work. What can we do to make things easier at home? What can we do to make things easier at work? Right? And sometimes you can't do much, but you know what? You can send home an arts and crafts box and just keep the kids busy so that you can just take this important oh, client. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it's <laughs> yes, but it's gonna be that constant juggle. That constant juggle is actually gonna be there, but it's taking a step back and I always say having that open conversation, which is so rare nowadays because people are afraid to talk, is have that conversation. 
what can you do? What can change? And you could be open and say, look, things are not working. How do you think on my end? How do you think things are working on your end? Right? What can we yeah. do better? How can I make things easier? I'm a fan of solutions. <laughs> Problem solving is a soft skill. <laughs> well, it's so funny how it always seems to go back to just have that conversation. Like you said, like be open, oh, yeah. ask the questions. I mean, you can't know what you're dealing with unless you sit down with the person and, and just talk to them. And like you said, people are so afraid to do it. So they make assumptions and maybe make the wrong decisions because of their assumptions or make something bigger than it needs to be because it's not a conversation they were wanting to have. But if, if we just sit gave down us a talk, job, yeah, <laughs> yeah, we're not complaining. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, it is. It really boils down to just have that conversation, know how to communicate, know their communication style. Also know when to have that conversation, what to say, what to include, try to, for it to be immediate, try for it to be direct. Because yes, people say, you know, when you're giving that compliment, it's definitely couch it. But the people are always waiting for the butt when you give a compliment. Sometimes just yeah. give that compliment. <laughs> and sometimes you can say, hey, listen, the struggle is over here. You're juggling this really well, but there is a struggle over there. Don't count that as a compliment. Do not count that as a praise. <laughs> you know, that I yeah. actually gave them that nice words. Is compliment should just be on its own. And it's something that I tell teachers is, you know what, if you have to call a parent to say that a child is struggling in school, is you must have a nice conversation with the parent prior to making that phone call. Because at that point, the parent is going to believe you because they believed you when you said that your child is a genius. Right? <laughs> Everyone's <laughs> child's a genius. <laughs> it's like Leanne, your compliment sandwich. Like, I are know. you familiar well, with that, Toby? <laughs> but that's the opposite. That's so that's fun because I was thinking that too. Because that's all I always tell Clayton because Clayton just comes at me with the, oh, you should do this or you could have done this. And I'm like, hey, 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 compliment sandwich. I need a compliment <laughs> first. I'm not listening to you right now. It's just an attack. <laughs> yeah, but then he also has to be given that just plain compliment. Mm. Right, like you're mm. coming with that feedback. That feedback, yeah, definitely makes it makes it much more, you know, appetizing when you have that compliment there. But you also just have to give that plain compliment, and it could be as basic as like, "Hey, you look great today," mm -hmm. right? Or your smile made such a difference in my day today. Thank you. Mm -hmm. I missed you yesterday. You make such a difference in the office. Mm -hmm. Basic, basic, basic. But you should be doing it. And like for you know employers, just more or less starting out is I tell them, it sounds stupid, it sounds simple, makes a world of a difference. Keep yourself a compliment. It changed sheet. my life. Yeah, it changed my life. I love to compliment people. It's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> yeah. And just make sure that everybody gets that compliment, whether you could do it a day, whether you do it a week, is every single person should be getting that compliment. I'm going to say the story, and then I just better run, is I had an employee, and interestingly, afterwards, I found out that it was cultural, was never willing to accept my compliments, which was really interesting. You know, I would compliment about this and compliment, you know, just natural. Compliments did not come naturally to me. It was like, no, you just do your work and that's... <laughs> do what you're supposed to do. Come on. Hey, like, why should I compliment you? <laughs> they did not come naturally. But afterwards, after I learned, it's like, and the person just like constantly popped. It wasn't me. It was her. Well, she helped me. It wasn't my doing or like, just went on to like change the conversation. But once I took this person aside, I said, listen, I just want to make sure you hear what I'm saying is I love having you here. You make such a big difference. And I gave them like a couple of examples. I said, what's going to make me feel good is just, you know, to say thank you sometimes when I give you that compliment, <laughs> because I need you to believe it also, because she wasn't mm -hmm. believing it. 
and you know just stopped and just had that conversation and i understood you know afterwards they told me that it was cultural that they don't accept compliments because it's an ego piece whatever it was but at this point like things change like they're looking for the compliments right and it's yeah. just we always have to be willing to go ahead to give them and to know what what to give how to give what to say how to say and to oh accept my gosh. them right? yeah and to take it as value and, and move forward and get get stuff done like you said Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for stopping by and yeah. giving us all this wisdom. We had such a good time. Where can people find you? Thank you for having me. This was great. I could just continue on. I know. Like, you, you have, have to come back. The conversation, right? Yes. So the best way to reach me would be on LinkedIn. I don't always look at my messages, but I do look at them. Time management piece over there. Otherwise, definitely you can reach out to me on my website, which is gobitesize.com. And I always love hearing from people. I like feedback. <laughs> yes, yes, we love that. Thank Give you her so feedback, much, Toby. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I'll have the feedback for you soon on how wonderful this is. I know you're going to yeah. touch a lot of lives, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Right. Thanks, Thanks for the good work. Take care. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to join in on the conversation, we invite you to come be a part of the HDC community. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at Have the Combo. For information on all of our shows, guests, and more, visit htcpod.com. While you're there, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss an episode. Talk soon.